Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? Too much, David. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, it is uh, when Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> the days blend together. It is Thursday uh, evening. Uh, we recorded earlier and had some recording hiccups, uh, so we're trying this uh, again today. Uh, apologies to Tim Reynolds, who was on with us earlier, and now uh, his very good thoughts will never be heard on uh, some of these topics we're going to talk about. Uh, we will talk about basketball uh, in the second half of this episode. The Heat had, uh, I think, one of their most fun games of the year, certainly, uh, on Wednesday night against the Celtics on ESPN. Um, I've been kind of bored by this Heat season for the most part so far. It just feels like they're kind of treading water. But but that was, uh, you know, the first time it kind of felt like we were back in playoff mode or whatever. Um, but we got to start with really the stuff that uh, took center stage Honestly, a lot of it before the game, and then obviously after the game. Um, I guess starting before the game, uh, a lot of stuff went down in Washington, as obviously everyone knows. Uh, A group of protesters turned rioters, turned maybe terrorists, depending on your definition of the word, uh, stormed the United States Capitol building and uh, tried to halt certification of a uh, free and fair American election. Um... I believe there were 52 people arrested, including curfew arrests, um, throughout the day. And NBA players, understandably, I think like a lot of Americans, uh, were pretty disgusted by what they saw. And, um, you know, uh, there were obviously a lot of different reasons to be disappointed. But the way, obviously, you know, for NBA players that tied in, they had... A lot of uh, you know a lot of protesting and speaking out about uh, law enforcement and and for NBA players I think a lot of it was seeing that clear double standard um, between the way the rioters were treated on Wednesday compared to the way uh, you know so many of them obviously were involved in the Black Lives Matter protest uh, the treatment of protesters and rioters in those circumstances. Um, let's start with though, I guess, pregame yesterday for a little while there, it looked like maybe the game wasn't even going to happen. Right. Yeah. It was, um, you know, guys were out there shooting, um, you know, for pre- not even just pregame warms, but like hour and a half before the game, like guys were out there taking shots. You know, yeah. The way they normally do. Yeah. Right. Um, and then like, I want to say 40 or 50 minutes, 50 minutes were on the clock and the court was completely empty. And at first I didn't really think anything of it. Um, but then it got to like 30 minutes and there was like nobody on the court and the ball boys were just like standing there like waiting. Um, and there were some heat officials on the court kind of talking to different people. Um, and you can kind of tell they were having like an intense conversation. And I'm, and I'm like, Hmm, you know, I wonder if something's going on. And, and then you kind of heard little rumblings. You know, I know, I know Israel Gutierrez and ESPN, was kind of bringing up the fact that there was some discussion going on behind the scenes between the two teams and you know there were even some tweets from writers that the Celtics walked off I, I didn't really see the Celtics walk off I mean they just weren't on the court right. for a long time both teams came to the court I think it was like 12 minutes left on the clock which is you know you as you know they were like three or four minutes later than usual yep um and there I mean there obviously were conversations of are we going to play this game I mean Brad Stevens said uh, after the game, he said he called his wife 
30 minutes before tip and said, I don't think we're going to play. Um, you know, ultimately, obviously they played. Um, and, you know, the two teams decided to make a statement by, by you know, kneeling for the anthem like, like they did throughout the bubble. And they all sh- also issued a joint statement just kind of expressing their disappointment and their discouragement with everything that happened um, yesterday. And, and, and even, you know, sorry with the Jacob Blake uh, right. decision, you know, no charges for the officer uh, who shot Jacob Blake. That, that came down Tuesday. So it was just a tough 24 hours for these guys. And, and you could see them, you know, you could see, like Duncan Robinson said, like the guys were wearing it before the game, after the game. Like it, it, was, it was a heavy day uh, for them all. And I'm sure it'll be heavy days for them all. Yeah, it. In some ways, it reminded me of the day. At least with regard, it was obviously a very different day, um, politically for our country, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the way the NBA, it seemed felt. It felt like the day of the Jacob Blake shooting in the bubble, where yeah. you know so much they had. You know they had obviously. You know, it started with the George Floyd. Like, that's where all the, the Black Lives Matter jerseys and court and all, all the stuff they were doing in the bubble to, like, kind of keep that front and center. That was all for George Floyd. You know, they were hoping it was making a difference, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the Jacob Blake thing happens, and it's just like, you know, there's that sense of, was, what did we do this all for? Like, what did we actually accomplish anything? Was this worth it? You know, obviously that was... You know, there was the meetings where, in in Disney, where I guess certain teams like we're talking about. You know, we need to, we should call this off. We should end the season. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like obviously got anywhere near there yesterday. Uh, you know, everyone played as scheduled as opposed to obviously the days of right after the Jacob Blake shooting where the they kind of paused for a couple of days. But still, just that like that discouragement where you know you you you'll you always wonder if you did enough. I, I think these guys do um, because, you know, they, you, they always feel like they could do more. They're, you know, they're, they're wealthy. They have a big platform. And for at least one day or at least a couple moments or a couple hours uh, in the case of yesterday or, or really basically 24 straight hours, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, it's easy to kind of feel like, was this all worth it? And it seemed like it was, like, like I said, it was a repeat in, in a lot of ways, I think, of the way it kind of felt talking to guys uh, around the, the Jacob Blake shooting. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And, and you know, I, you have to remember that these two teams were two of the teams in the bubble during that time. Yeah. You know, like, there weren't that there weren't that many teams left, if I remember correct. I think it was, well, it was the first round of the playoffs. It was the first round of the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, yeah but, but still, the, you know, half the league wasn't there. These were two teams that were there. They were involved in the And the Pacers were gone by then. And the – right, that's right. <laughs> made quick work out of Indiana. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of guys on both sides, obviously, that care about what's going on and are very uh, involved. But, but Jalen Brown has one of the bigger voices in the league. I think that's pretty well known. And, you know, he he was one of the guys involved last night. You know, like, he, yeah. I'm sure he had a, played a big role in those conversations before the game. So – yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the fact that, you know, they tried so hard in the bubble. And, and I know you're going to touch on this, David, um, just because I know you touched on this in our first recording <laughs> earlier today. But, but I, you know, they, they, did make, they did make a difference. You yeah. know? And, and I know it's, it's easy to um, – it might be easy for them in that moment to think, well, is what, you know, what we did in the bubble forgotten 
is it going to be in vain? Um, because you see what happens in, you know, at the cap in the capital, and, and also the Jacob Blake ruling. Like that, that's that's discouraging for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they want to they they want that to come out differently. So um, I, I think that is part of kind of what made yesterday so tough. Who am I to tell NBA players how to think? I'm a 20-something-year-old white dude who's like worst interactions with the police are like when I'm annoyed, I get a speeding ticket, basically. Um, but I think it's doing a disservice to them to not act like what they have done has made change. Yesterday, before it went haywire, were, were two big days, I think, to really showcase that activism, that the NBA and WNBA players' activism does matter and does yield results. Obviously, they're not the only ones who are, who are causing those things to happen, but you know, th- those were two of their big goals, basically. Yeah, as, uh, actually, Tim, Tim touched on this. I'll, I'll give him credit. But the, Wednesday really started with two of the officers involved in the Breonna Taylor shooting uh, being fired. And, you know, it's, that was kind of above all else the, I'd say the, the cause, I hate to refer to it as a cause because obviously it's part of a, a bigger movement. And, but that was, in a lot of ways, the, the case that was, I, I would say, probably brought up most throughout the bubble. Um, and, you know, they obviously wanted, you know, the, them to be, you know, convicted and stuff like that. But, but, you know, it was a little bit of progress. Those, those two people who were involved in, um, you know, a, a big thing that the NBA players were speaking out against faced some sort of consequences. And then uh, really Wednesday started with uh, the races in Atlanta being called. Um, I think Warnock was officially elected on late Tuesday night or at least called by, you know, some of the media outlets that, that do those kind of things. But I think Ossoff got called technically after midnight. Um, so the two biggest, you know, like I said, Breonna Taylor was one of their biggest causes, just constantly mentioning her, obviously the WNBA in particular uh, on her. And then just voting rights at large were another major cause for the NBA and WNBA. And, um, you know, Atlanta is something they poured a lot of, focus into um there's a lot obviously the atlanta dream uh speaking out against their owner kelly leffler uh lloyd pierce is really active obviously jalen brown is from georgia um and you know they got results that i would say the vast majority of nba players uh feel is is what they were looking for on tuesday in that race so you know they're they're it's impossible they're they're NBA players. They're wired a certain way to kind of always feel like they can do more, right? It's like that. That's what makes NBA players and professional athletes great in a lot of ways is that wiring of like, I could always be improving. I could always be doing more. Um, but it's, it is important to also remember the good that they have done. Yeah, for sure. And, and also I think it's important to remember that, you know, a lot of these guys are in their 20s. Yeah. Which, you know, that, that can't be forgotten. And it's a lot of pressure. And I mean, they're they're literally like doing making these decisions of what they're going to do and how they're going to respond and how they're going to get their point across on the fly. I and mean, they're not trained in this, you know. Like yeah, there's like activists, I, there's political scientists, there's like people who that this is what they do as for their jobs full time. Right. And they, you know, you, they don't, they can't. I mean, nobody predicted what was going to happen on Wednesday at the U.S. Capitol. I mean, 
they were just preparing for a game, you know, they, they were playing, preparing for a game against the Celtics and, you know, that unfolds and, you know, they have a decision to make and that's why those conversations, you know, went as long as they did and I'm sure were as intense as they were and I'm sure, I mean, obviously things were very fluid, Brad Stevens thought the game wasn't going to be played. Um, you know, it's, it's not simple. It's not a simple, um, it's not a simple endeavor these guys are taking by, by becoming, you know, taking this, you know, I don't want to, I hate, I don't really like using this word because it's, it's more than this, but, but that's why they're trying to become activists, you know, yeah. within their sport, um, and make a difference. But it's not, it's not something that, um, I'm sure is easy or, um, something that's uh, just comes naturally to a lot of these guys. It's something they have to work at, and it's something that takes a lot of deep conversation. Um, and, and you saw that across the league uh, on Wednesday night. And I'm sure, you know, I, I don't think this, – this never really ended since the bubble, but yeah, it kind of faded a little bit to the background. I mean, the national anthem stuff was, you know, that, that, that everyone was standing after – you know, in the bubble, pretty much everyone was kneeling the entire way. Mm-hmm. Uh, start this season, everyone was standing. That kind of had ended, and and you no know, more Black Lives Matter on the jerseys. No more yeah, Black Lives Matter right. on the courts. Or it wasn't as big of a topic of conversation. Uh, but I think I, I, I don't think yesterday was a one day thing. I, I think it's going to again become a big part um, of this season. Yeah, you do wonder if it. You know, it kind of seems like every time. It's the way the world works. It's the way I think a lot of people, you know, even like when the protests were happening and it was some of these, you know, the activists were, were I think, frustrated by some of it is it goes in the waves, right? Like it, one of the, the shootings happens, it becomes a topic of conversation for two weeks and then it fades and then another one inevitably happens and it's a topic of conversation for two weeks and and a certain, and that's ultimately sort of what happened in the NBA. NBA, obviously put more in considering how long they sustained it in the bubble. But at a certain point, you wonder if it just becomes a standard operating procedure, like full stop, like just always. Um, You wrote a story today, uh, I guess going in the Friday paper, kind of looking at the heat response post game and the lead response across the league. What, what kind of stood out to you, not just from the heat, but some of what you saw from, from guys around the league. Um, you know, Bam was particularly strong uh, yeah. on the topic. You, you know, the Heater. Washington's first game back in D.C. is against the Heat on Saturday. Um, so the Heat will be part of that night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as of now, you know, there really hasn't been anything about that game being called off or anything like that. So it should be should be played as scheduled. Uh, but Tim Reynolds, you know, friend of the program, friend of the podcast, asked Bam, you know, what what will be different about being in D.C. on Saturday? Like, will you be extra cautious? And he's like, I'm not leaving my hotel room. Like, I just, I'm not going to. Like, I'm not going to take that risk. And, yeah, I mean, this season's different where guys aren't going out of their hotel room much because of the pandemic. But it it just kind of reminds you of kind of the two different worlds. You know, a lot of these guys um, and a lot of the country lives in. You know, it's it's, just just another... um, Another sad reminder of that. So uh, that kind of stood out, and that was kind of the message across post game of a lot of guys just talking about how it just showed the double standard, um, you know, in the country uh, between you know people of color um, and then the protesters uh, slash you know rioters that you saw at the Capitol on Wednesday. 
Bam's and Iguodala's comments like kind of killed me. Like I, you know, I'm from DC. Um, as longtime listeners of the show probably know, um, you know, they call it the Chocolate City for a reason. It's like a, one of the most thriving, like majority black communities. You know, Prince George's County in particular, I think, is like the the wealthiest majority black uh, county in the country. It's you know, it's a typically a very welcoming place for people of all races. It, you know, it's the nation's capital. Like, there's all the embassies. There's all the you know, my the county I grew up in the suburbs, super diverse. Um, and then you know, I have friends. Obviously, a lot of friends who still live up there, and they're talking about you know they can't go to their grocery store like because there's proud boys and white supremacists and stuff running around town and it it sucks like it, that's not what that city is supposed to be like and it like kind of crushes me to hear people say like they're afraid to go out in that city where it's mostly normal people who live there people just like who have day-to-day lives and they have a 6 p.m curfew because a bunch of people came from out of town and tried to invade the capital that sucks Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, let's wrap up with some basketball talk. You want to do that? That's sound more fun? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, last night's Heat game, I've been kind of, you know, I've, I've had a hard time getting into this Heat season. I don't know if maybe some of it is the short off season. Some of it is them just not playing particularly well. Some of it is probably the downshift from the intensity of the bubble to natural first three weeks of the season, regular season basketball. Um, but Wednesday was after, and I guess during all the, all the off court stuff that was clouding things, it was the most fun heat game of the season. I would say heat were down big. Uh, Jimmy has a very entertaining takeover kind of late in the second quarter. And then the heat score, what, 10 points in the last 50 seconds to basically tie the game. Um, and then the Celtics. And then the Celtics win on a last-second putback by Peyton Pritchard. Um, it finally like felt like a playoff game, and I it kind of made me realize, oh, that's what I missed. I missed like a game that actually feels like it matters. Yeah, like the first close game of the season. I yeah, like. I, I don't even, I don't even remember what the other clutch game was. I guess maybe the Orlando game, but that didn't feel. Yeah, I think the Orlando game. As because uh, Orlando pulled away in the last like three minutes or something, I think. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, yeah, that was really, like, their first real close game. And, um, yeah, it was a good one. And, you know, it's one of those games that comes down to one play. You know, it really sh- probably shouldn't change our opinion of the team when they win or lose <laughs> because it was overall offensive rebound. Right. Uh, but that's the way sports works. You know, they lose by two points and they're three and four and the world is crashing down. Um, but, you know, I'm not – you know, I know we, we said this last week as well. Um, I, I'm not overly concerned. Is it the best start for this team? No, obviously not. But, you know, they're 3-4. and four. They're going to a pretty tough trip. They could come back, you know, even in worse shape, honestly, if you're being realistic. They could be 4-7 and I guess seven if they go 1-3 and three on this yeah. trip or, 
even if they go two and two, you're looking at what uh, four and do the math, five and six, five, yeah, and, five six. and six. Yeah. So that's not a great start through eleven, you know, through eleven games. But um, I, I just I have faith this team is gonna be is gonna be there in the end. Like they're gonna be a top five, top six team in the East. And at that point, as we've said many times, um, the East is very competitive. There's a lot of uh, parity up top in the East. To me, I, I don't think there's a clear-cut front-running team. Um, in the, and especially, I mean, Brooklyn, I thought so highly of them right. in the season. But after the Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie injury and kind of seeing different, you know, might maybe quote-unquote holes that they're, they have on their roster – Yes, they're one of the best teams in the East, but they're not unbeatable. So I, I think, you know, Jimmy's missed two games. He hasn't looked right for pretty much all of them, except maybe the Boston game. Um, that makes a difference, you know. So I think once Jimmy gets on track, once the team actually starts hitting threes, they're not shooting very well from three right now this season, which we know is probably not going to be the case once the season's over. They're going to be a, one of the better shooting three-pointing, you know, three-point yeah. teams if they stay healthy. Um, I think things will get back on track for them. Yeah. Um, so you're like me, and I think a lot of Heat fans probably are a little encouraged by that Celtics game, even though it was a home loss to a rival. Yeah, I mean, I mean there were some discouraging uh, aspects of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's a close game against Boston. You kind of expect that. You expect to be a possession game at the end. Um, they defended Tatum and Brown relatively well, considering how well they, those two have been playing. I think they had like 40-something points on like 41 yeah. shots or something. Like You can't get much better than that, honestly. Um, so you know, the, def- the defense actually hasn't been bad. I think uh, you know, entering Thursday, they have the 10th best defense in yeah, uh, the 11th best defense in the NBA. Like, and for for this roster, you take that. Right. You know, I think that was the question were, mark. We we weren't expecting yeah. the offense to have issues. Right, it's the offense, which I think is uh, it's the seventh worst offense in the league right now. Which last year that was not, they were the seventh had the seventh best offense. Yeah. That's the big kind of step back they've taken to begin the year. Um, now you lump in that that game in Dallas where it was one of the worst offensive games ever. It seems like, um, and that really weighs you down. You know, mm-hmm. in a small sample size, like seven games. But um, I, I just, I mean, if they obviously if they finish. With the twentieth best offense, they're not going to be a good team, right? Um, because they're not the best defensive team in the league. They have to be a top ten offense, um, and I have faith they will be. If they don't get there, then yeah, there is there is definitely reason for concern. They're probably going to be five hundred. They'll be an eighth seed or maybe in the play on you know playing game in the East. But I just I have faith with the personnel they have. If they stay healthy, they can have they'll be a top ten offense. Yeah, I mean basically what you saw last night was what the team is supposed to look like, basically, right? Like you saw. The Jimmy takeover when they needed it, you know, I guess he really didn't do that a lot in the regular season, so maybe that's not what you want to look like for the course of the regular season, but, you know, that was obviously a big part of their playoff identity. Um, And then, you know, they they got the threes going a little bit. I think the Kelly Olenek move to the starting lineup has helped, um, especially because, you know, Tyler Hero is shooting under 30% from three. Goran shooting 25%. Kendrick Nunn, who's basically out of the rotation, is shooting like 11%. Um, And, you know, those are three guys who, at various times last year, were like your third best player. Obviously, Goran in the bubble. You you can make a case at the start of the year, Kendrick Nunn, the the tear he was on, he was as valuable as anyone not named 
Jimmy or Bam. And, and obviously Tyler, just probably over like the course of the season, he was obviously always kind of up and down, but on any given night he could explode. And it seemed like it was basically every other night he was like your third best guy, or at least your third best offensive player. And Goran's been good, but, you know, the shooting, he was on fire in the bubble. Um, and Tyler's, you know, averaging 13 a game, actually leading the team in minutes, which is kind of interesting. Um, but he's got to shoot better. And some of those things are just like you expect them to fix themselves. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough from Goran. He's been around so long that I kind of know where he's going to uh, – I know where he's – He's gonna be. He's gonna get back on track. But yeah. the one, the one guy I would say that I'm not concerned with. It's still early, um, but that I'm interested to see, um, you know, where the season takes him is Tyler Hero. Yeah. Just because, you know, there were stretches, even especially before the bubble, uh, where Tyler struggled um, shooting the ball and finding consistent offense, getting to his spots, um, and we've seen some of that to start the year. Um, you know, the Heat he's a starter now. Like you said, he's leading the team in minutes. They're relying on him a lot to make plays, um, to score. And he's had his moments. I mean, there have been bright moments. Um, but there have also been some downs that, you know, it's not a huge surprise. The second season, he's 20 years old. But, yeah. you know, they, they, they need more from him. You know, I think that was the one thing against Boston that you're like, yeah, this is what it's, gonna, it's supposed to look like. But Tyler Hero can go two for eight and score eight points against Boston. Yeah, and, you know he'd expect them to expect to win. Like he's one of your key players now. You can't you can't survive that type of performance from him against a really good team. Um, so I, I, that's the one. I think that's the one guy that I'm like I'm, I'm I, I want to see kind of where what what he is at the end of the year. Like what are what is it, what are his averages? Like did he bounce back? Did he get back on track? Is he is he an efficient scorer? Because um, I don't know yet. I mean we we saw the bubble version of Tyler and he was really really good. And I think he's a really good player, um, but there's still not enough. You know, we haven't seen, you know, what Goran's like in his 12th, 13th year. We haven't right. seen 12, 13 years of Tyler, of, of Tyler Hero. Like, I, I, I want to see what he can become, and if he really is, you know, a, a starting above average starting guard in the NBA. Yeah, and to me, it, so much of it is that three point shooting. I know he like doesn't like to be labeled a three point shooter, but everyone needs to have a go to thing, right? Like. Jimmy gets to the free throw line. Um, Duncan obviously comes around screens and hit threes, and it, and it opens things up for for everything. You know, even the great players. And Tyler looked like he kind of had that with the the step back. And obviously, when you can shoot, um, it opens everything up. And right now, he just doesn't even look comfortable shooting the threes. Right, like it's it's not like they're all like almost going down you know he's he's putting up some bricks like he, he just does not look like himself right now yeah it's i you know i, I don't know I, i'm not a guy that thinks like coming up the bench is so much different than starting like you know tyler played a lot of minutes with bam and jimmy um, yeah. last season especially on the stretch um of games but i wonder if like coming off the bench with goron if like that helped him you know because goron created a lot of the offense he could play off the ball a lot more you know i know jimmy does a lot of that but you know goron just kind of settles guys he has a way of settling guys. So um, I, I, I just – I wonder what if with this lineup, with the role he's asked to play, if it's, you know, been a bit of an adjustment for him and it's kind of affecting his game. You know, I know um, – I think definitely the, the point guard experiment seemed yeah, like it was. Right. And especially, yeah, with Jimmy Hurd and him having to 
handle more and initiate more offense like that that kind of put him in a different role that he maybe that's not what where he fits right, right. now uh, but with Jimmy back you hope that he could be more you know he could play more off the ball and play more to his strengths um, I will say the one the one thing that's been impressive about Tyler so far um, aside from you know he's had a, a couple of games where he's been really good mm-hmm. um, has been the rebounding like as a guard um, he's like consistently getting like at least five six boards a game I think it was seven game, last like, night yeah I think one he had like game, 15 like, one night game. yeah 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 so um, that's encouraging especially with the Heat's rebounding issues you know they, they need everybody to crush the boards um, because you know they don't have a guy who's gonna even Bam like he's gonna get 10 rebounds or he's gonna average around 9 10 rebounds but he's not a guy who's gonna get 15 16 rebounds a night so um, yeah they, they need that from him so that, that's been one encouraging development I think early this season yeah um, so any anything you've kind of seen or, or want to see like just to get this going, like I mentioned, you know, there are obviously signs of it and just having Jimmy back makes like, that's the easiest fix that there is. Um, and then obviously making threes is probably the easiest fix that there, like the next easiest fix that there is. Um, and I I think they're getting good looks, right? Like, it's not like, it's not like teams have suddenly figured out how to slow down Duncan Robinson. And it's, you know, Tyler's always taken pull up threes. That's been his like go-to, uh, shot from beyond the arc. Um, what, what have you kind of, is there, I don't know, a move you've seen or would like to see that, that you feel like could, uh, spark this a little bit? Well, I like this, you know, in the beginning of the season, we, we didn't know what the rotation was going to look like. And even the first three or four games with Jimmy out and, um, spoke kind of experimenting with different starting lineups. Um, there was some uncertainty, but it feels like they've settled on of a nine, you know, pretty much a nine man rotation maybe 10 guys some games, um, you know, with Kelly in the starting lineup and Andre, Goran, Avery, and Precious coming off the bench as, like, the core four, um, and then Mo, you know, playing some spot minutes. Like, I, I think um, they've, they've kind of settled on that for now. Obviously, it probably will change in a couple of weeks, but um, I, 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 I think the rotation works. I think it fits. It makes sense. Um, the one guy that I would like to see at least get a chance to play some minutes just to see what he can do um, is KZ um, just because they, they need I know they're starting Kelly right now yeah. in the quote unquote Jay Crowder spot so they're playing pretty much a totally different style than they did in the playoffs last yep. season but KZ kind of brings some of you know what what Jay gave the Heat the, the versatility defensively can switch on the guys um, he's probably not a good shooter as Jay especially not the, the Heat version of Jay who was like Duncan Robinson for for stretches right. Um but he is dynamic offensively where he can hit threes. He can put the ball on the floor. He can be a playmaker. He's athletic. He's young. He has upside. Like, I, I would like to just see him play some minutes and just to see what he can bring because he could fill a need if he works out. Again, I, I, you know, I'm one to be hesitant to kind of question rotation decisions just because coaches see so much more than we do. Yeah. They see KZ at practice. They talk to him. They watch film with him. They know more than we do. So I'm sure if KZ was deserved to be in the rotation would be in it but i just I'm, i would be intrigued um to see what he could do if he was given a chance yeah they miss jay crowder way more than i would have ever expected and to be fair even if they had jay crowder back he was almost certainly not going to be playoff jay crowder who like you said yeah. turned into duncan robinson for a month basically um but 
they need like I like the Kelly lineup. I, I like just putting a bunch of shooters around um, Jimmy and Bam, and think that's you know the path to a really really good offense. Um, you know, once Tyler gets going a little bit, and obviously Duncan does his thing. Um, but what? But they definitely you know the the Mo Harkless being a total bust so far. Uh, definitely hurts them playing from from playing a style that they found that really worked, right? Like they're they're trying to they found a style that worked in the bubble, and now they're trying to figure out a new style. Um, and KZ, unless Mo Harkless starts playing better, which is possible. I mean, he's been a good NBA career NBA player in his career. Then yeah, KZ is probably like your highest upside play at that spot. Um, I would also like to see more Precious, but I get it that they don't like to play him and Bam together. But he's been like yeah. really good. Like I, he, it feels like anytime he's on the court, like he's doing good things. Yeah, I guess that would be. I, I he was I their only like, guy in the positive plus minus off the bench last night, for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, I mean Precious has played has been impactful early yeah. on, and and uh, you know his minutes have been limited, to like 13, 14 a game, because he basically plays when Bam is not on the court and Bam plays like 30 plus minutes a game. So there's only so many, you know, there's only so many pressures can play in that role. Um, I would be interested. And I know it probably wouldn't work right now, but maybe later in the season or even next season, you have to get to a point where Bam and Precious can play together because if, if both are going to, you know, Bam is an all-star if Precious is, you know, what the hope, what the he hope it can be. Um, you can't have them just staggering minutes like that. You know, they, they got to play together. So, um, I think that'd be interesting. Like, if at one point this year, if if Eric Spolster tries it to see what what happens, I mean, Bam has developed a mid range shot where, you know, maybe he can play more of a stretch four role with Precious in there, or Precious with Precious kind of rolling to the basket and playing more inside. That Bam mid range um, looks good, other than that one shot he took in the fourth quarter last night that like barely yeah. even hit the backboard. Yeah, that was ugly. But yeah, no, that that that, that mid range. I mean, he's. He looks like Chris Bosh. Like his, I, I don't know if he can keep up this efficiency. Um, I haven't looked in a couple games, but I think he was shooting like over fifty percent in the mid range yeah. a couple games ago. Um, and he shot them well in the playoffs last season too. So it's not just like a couple game, you know, thing. Uh, yeah, and it looks smooth. Like you said, it looks it looks like a smooth jumper. Um, so that Bam, you know, if you want to point to really one one big encouraging thing early this season, it's that Bam continues to get better. Like he. He's even better than he was in the bubble, just because he has that that mid range shot now, um, comfortably in his bag. Yeah, and that uh, that rebound at the end of the game was very Bosch esque. Also, the offensive rebound to set up the was it Duncan who hit the last three? I can't remember, but Goron. Goron, yeah. So uh, yeah, Bam looks awesome. That's that's one of the biggest. Re- I kind of agree with you. Like that's one of the biggest reasons to like think this T team is gonna be fine. Like if you were going through a checklist of like what's going to determine if this team can like follow up their bubble run in like a good manner you know not necessarily get back to the finals but at least be in that mix it was like you need that family you need jimmy to still be jimmy and you need tyler to like you didn't even necessarily need another leap from him i think that would have been asking a lot but you needed him to be much closer to bubble tyler than he was to regular season tyler so far bam is the only one of those three that uh has hit, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously for once Jimmy gets healthy to, to be typical Jimmy. And then, like you said, with Tyler, it's, he's changed just into a new role. Like that, that remains to me kind of the biggest question. Um, 
But yeah, I think we can wrap up there. We got through a whole episode without talking about James Harden. We did talk about Bradley Beal, but not for trade reasons. Um, so pretty good. Bradley Beal is not, by the way, I'm sorry, I'm going to break it right now, but Bradley Beal was not a happy camper last night after scoring 60 plus He was not. No. But he he uh, he kind of stunk it up in the fourth quarter. Oh, he did. I was I, I was watching. Yeah. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the stunt. I, I was watching amazing. both. He had uh, I think he had three points in the fourth quarter, so that was tough. I I couldn't believe they lost with him putting that performance. But yeah, I guess. he's awesome. He's um he's uh James Harden without attending super spreader events. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He has a, uh, a good roundup today of all that went down in the NBA in response to the Capitol riots. Uh, you can check that out at MiamiHerald.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. I am mostly on national championship duty this week. And then hopefully it'll be uh, shifting over to heat a little bit more uh, once we wrap things up on Monday. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.